This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country, Eric Cohen and Shane Dale. And Shane, I mean, I don't even know how to start this show because it was a a bad one. I mean, the Oregon game, we were all excited, ready for good things to happen. And it was bad. It was real bad. Uh, I, I don't think I was prepared for the level of bad that it was. Well, I, I guess I'm not shocked by the outcome, Eric, but it, it's disappointing in that it, it was such an electric atmosphere. I'm sure yeah. I wasn't there, but I know that you were, and I'm just by mm-hmm. all accounts, including yours. I mean, it, it felt for the first time in a long time, it, it felt like a big game atmosphere. And then, you know, the, 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 the letdown, I mean, we're not surprised that, that Oregon won, but maybe we're a little surprised that it wasn't a little more competitive. Um, I think that first drive, where uh, Arizona failed to score a touchdown to fumble uh, on the oh, it's brutal. Uh, yeah. I think that kind of set the tone for the game. I think you have when you're going up against a, a favorite like that, you have to convert early and set the tone early. And even though Arizona got the ball back, they got a field goal, they took the lead. Oregon just ran rough shot over them after that. And then I think you just saw, and we'll get into this, I know, but the disparity on the between Oregon's offensive line and Arizona's defensive line. I I can't remember the last time I saw a, a line get you know, push like push defenders back so easily time after time after time i mentioned on twitter you know and you saw it twice mm-hmm. yeah where, where bo nix from the two yard line did a quarterback sneak you really yeah, never see, see quarter- that ever. you really see quarterback yeah. sneaks that in you know beyond a foot from the goal line oregon did it twice because they knew arizona couldn't stop them so that was uh the unfortunate part the offense just made too many mistakes and and it's i'm we're not surprised by the outcome but you know it, it felt like a wasted opportunity in terms of bringing in those fans that really open their hearts and their wallets to Arizona football for the first time in a long time. All right. I'm going to go on a little rant here, Shane. You probably won't know what I'm talking about, but this is not necessarily about the action on the field. I'm not sure which annoyed me more in the stadium on Saturday night. The fact that Arizona got their butts whooped on defense or this DJ who they have now in the student section. And all he does is yell. He, he serves no purpose other than to yell constantly so i have i've been game to, i've been to game. a game this year so tell is he's like in the middle of the student section and he's got yeah. this dj's got like his, his little record he's yeah set up and, and he, everything. he I, I, maybe it's I'm, I'm getting older i'm almost 40 years old mm-hmm. and it's i'm just not into when i go to a football game i'm not going to the club you're you're here's the problem as far as i'm concerned you want them to get off your lawn basically well yeah but here here's the other issue that i have and i and those people you know, those of you who are listening, maybe you'll agree with me and maybe you won't. But the people that I have spoken to around me at the games, we all kind of agree. When you're catering to 8,000 kids as compared to the other, I don't know, 40,000 people in the stadium by having an annoying DJ, give me this the, uh, the uh, dulcet tones of Jeff Dean a million <laughs> times over more yeah. than this DJ. You'd rather hear the third, uh, although we didn't hear that very much in that game. Didn't hear that much, very much. I mean, Jeff does a phenomenal job. Yes, And not just because he comes on this program. But I'm telling you what, I I like the light show, which is good. 
I, I like a lot of the other things that have been brought. The you know the pregame intro is better than it's been in recent years. But then this DJ who constantly yells and screams, and you can't even understand what he's saying. I'm sure he's fine at what he does, but I would rather he do it at the club and not yeah. at the football game. At the, That's at the, just my at the after me. party. Yeah. yeah. So does he yeah. yell like during, like during, like in between plays or in, during commercial breaks or both? It's it's before the game, and then at random points throughout the game, he tries okay. to get the student section fired up. Doesn't really do much for me, uh, and doesn't do anything. And and I'm not trying to say, oh, it's an older crowd, but I mean, you're catering to such a small portion of the stadium. The students don't make or break whether Arizona wins a game. It's the other 40,000 people that do. Well, that's kind of how I feel about the basketball games, too, because I think that's one of the things that makes McHale Center unique is it's not just the students that are making noise, which you see at a lot of arenas. It's it's every uh, every fan in the arena, even the even the, the older folks, they get up and get loud. Uh, throughout the game. And I think part of that is because for a long time, we didn't have a student section at Arizona. Right. Yeah. Uh, not until when I, when I was, when was in school, there was a zone zoo invented. Uh, so, so I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, at least they got rid of the, um, what the, the, the country song in between the third. Yeah, that, that was bad. I mean, that, yeah. that was arguably worse than the DJ, but after mm-hmm. four games in five weeks, Shane, you've had, I've enough. had enough. Yeah. It's, it's over. Okay. I, I care about, you know, I, I like the I like old school. Keep it simple. The fact that there's a DJ is that bringing any more people into the stadium? No, none, yeah. zero. Am Jed, I- you've done a great job. Work on the defense <laughs> and forget about the DJ. That's I know he wanted less, to improve the less, game day D- less DJ, more defense. That's what you're saying. And with that, let's get into Buy or Sell, which is presented by our friends at Ice Shaker. Go to IceShaker.com and you can get one of these beautiful creations. If you're watching on uh, YouTube, you can, uh, as I said, go to Ice Shaker, type in uh, Wildcat Country. And if you want to get $5 off one of these things, uh, you can use promo code Wildcat Country, capital W, capital C. Plus, Shane and I are going to get some new uh, uh, Ice Shaker uh, merchandise that we will be showing on our live streams in the coming weeks. So the, Gron- the Gronk half gallon coming our way. I've yeah, that, that, looking forward to that. Uh, Chris Gronk- for those who don't know, Chris Gronkowski is the founder of Ice Shaker, uh, but his brother Rob, who you may have also heard of, uh, works for the company now in his retirement. And he, I guess he demanded a half gallon ice shaker. And so they're available now. Um, we got some coming our way and we'll show those off here as soon as we get them. That we will. All right, Shane, number one on buy or sell. I'm going to do it. I know people are going to be annoyed, but. Let's go with it. Number one, Johnny Nansen, hot seat. Buy or sell? If this continues the rest of the season, I would say yes. Here, here's the thing. Um, well, and let me start with this. I got a couple of different things to say. I'm going to try to keep my, my thoughts in an okay. organized, yeah. rational manner. Sometimes yeah. it's tough for me. I'm a better writer than I am a speaker, but I do this okay. anyway. Uh, so I, in Johnny Nansen's defense, I, I will say that I think that sometimes a cultural change, a cult, excuse me, a cultural change is difficult uh, for college athletes. I think back to Rich Rodriguez and the players that came to play for him, like Scooby Wright and guys who probably need that proverbial foot up their rear end that Rich Rod was going to do. They went from him to the laid back Kevin Sumlin. And I think that there are a lot of problems with Kevin Sumlin, but I think that was one of them is that the, it just the, the cultural fit just for those guys there wasn't good. And then maybe we're experiencing the same thing now 
and the, the transition from Don Brown, who's very old school to Johnny Nansen is probably a little more new school. I'm not saying he's more relaxed. I don't really know how he is, but th- there, there could be an issue there, but here's what I think, Eric, and I'm trying to, I'll try to keep this brief. I promise. I, I don't think Jet Fish is going to necessarily would fire Johnny Nansen after one year, but he is an impatient man. So what I could see happening is a reshuffling, if you will, of the defensive coaching staff, or maybe you have a co-defensive coordinator situation mm-hmm. like Arizona's opponent on Saturday does. And like, I think Rich Rodriguez used to have as well, where you have one guy who's sort of like a defensive coordinator in name only, in which case this would be Nansen and another guy who really does run the defense and call the play. So it's not a demotion per se. And you keep Johnny Nansen on who is a great recruiter. Sure. Maybe, maybe it turns out he's not a great defensive coordinator. Again, we're six games in, we'll see how the rest of the season goes. I think, but I think if Arizona continues to struggle on defense, Eric, I think that's the more likely scenario than Jetfish just letting go a great recruiter after one year. All right. I'm going to sell this one, Shane. I, I don't think it's even in play. Uh, as bad as the defense has been, I don't think it's even in play this year. Now, if we're talking 2023 and the defense continues to be this bad, I think uh, the hot seat will be burning. And I think that's where Jed Fish, if Arizona does not come close to a bowl game and is still the fifth worth, worst run defense in college football as they stand right now through half of 2022, I think Johnny Nansen will be out. But the fact is, you said that he's an excellent recruiter. Uh, I think that they will add some talent probably via the transfer portal this offseason. We'll talk to uh, Matt Moreno, by the way, the professor. Mm-hmm. Will be joining us and yeah, we forgot uh, to mention Matt's joining yeah, us. Again. We we did, yeah. We ranting about this, that, and the other. Matt will join us. We'll ask him about what he thinks as far as the hot seat for uh, Johnny Nansen and when that would take effect. But I don't think it's right now. So uh, let's not get carried away. Uh, you know, as as some people are on message boards. Okay, uh, number two, Shane. Obviously, the run defense has been the worst part of the 2022 team, but the offensive line should also be considered one of the most pleasant surprises of this year's team. 100% by that. Yeah. Uh, I saw a stat earlier today and we're recording this on Wednesday, full disclosure. Uh, Arizona has one of the lowest sack rates allowed this season at at just 3%. Hmm. Uh, Only six teams are better. And unfortunately, Washington is one of them, but yes, the offensive line has been outstanding for the most part. Jordan Morgan in particular, who uh, Max Brown talked up last week on our show has been great. Uh, I think having a, a quarterback who could not only scramble, but get rid of the ball, more quickly, definitely makes oh, yeah. the offensive line look yeah. a bit better. Uh, it's unfortunate that Arizona is going to have to replace at least two of those guys uh, next season. Uh, but yes, they've been a strong group. I, I've been pleasantly surprised. It definitely uh, helps to have a, a guy like Jaden Delora back there. But yes, absolutely, it will buy that the offensive line has been a stronger unit than I expect. You know, one thing that Max Brown said last week, now that you brought it up, Shane, that we didn't touch on in our last segment was he said when he played at USC, he looked at the guys on the lines for Arizona and they were small. And yeah. I remember doing the Wildcat walk back in the day. I haven't done it in years. But Jacob Alsadek, who we've had on this program before, was the only guy to me that was like, this guy looks the part. I remember you saying I, that back when yeah, you had him on the show a couple of years ago. Yeah. I did. And I meant that at the time. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, this dude like looks. Now Arizona has guys that actually look the part. So this is an obvious buy. Yeah. Outside of the Mississippi State game where Arizona could not run, I thought they, the offensive line has done a great job. Uh, Arizona is the fifth most or something like a fifth or seventh most prolific passing offense in college football. As you mentioned, Washington is number two. So we'll get to that as far as uh, our breakdown. 
but uh, they've done an awesome job. Even the running game. I mean, we saw DJ Williams have a 52 yard touchdown run on Saturday. It's been, uh, Jonah, it's been good. Uh, it, well. Yeah. Yeah. It's been good. If a bit inconsistent, but yes, we, we've seen, there's a ton of potential in the running game. Uh, and, and I mean, Michael Wiley's is, is great. And Jonah Coleman gets better every week. Like Jed fish said, um, and DJ Williams had that big run. So yeah, I think the running game could stand to get a little bit better, but I don't know how much the offensive line has to do with that. They're probably a little bit better in, in pass protection than run protection, but overall they're not the liability. I thought they were going to. Be. That's correct. Okay. So we can, we can go, we can agree on that. All right. Number three, this is one I'm not sure we're going to agree on Shane. Uh, we should be happy with a three and three record halfway through the regular season by yourself. Yeah, I'll buy it because you remember before the season started, Eric, and you know, expectations change every week. I know that. Yep. Mine do too. Yep. Uh, we, I said before the year that four wins, as long as one of them was a win against ASU, would be satisfactory. Now, at this, if that were to happen now, then Arizona would be looking at, what, six straight losses? So yep. you, you change your expectations. At this point, I think five wins would, would be acceptable because we've seen what they can do against uh, San Diego State and against North Dakota state, which is still a very quality win in my opinion. Uh, so if you look at the, the, the defense and I don't know if there's going to be another win in there. Uh, I know last week, as soon as early as last week, I said there, there should be another one, but you know, things change from week to week. Maybe they go up and surprise Washington. Max Brown seems to think that was, that's a possibility. Well, uh, after what, well, after what Washington did against ASU, Shane. Yeah. I think that, uh, back I, will, I will reluctantly though, give, give ASU some credit. Cause I think that was more about them. I think they were started to turn the corner a little bit now, and with, uh, with, them. with the guano that they looked, they looked decent. Good. I hope they hire them full time. They look, yeah, yeah, great. They, they look decent against USC sure. and then, uh, uh yeah, Trent, hire them full time. Trenton Borgay, uh, uh, who, uh, whose brother we've had on this podcast way back when yep. he committed to Arizona under Kevin someone, um, looked pretty sharp. So I know we'll get more into that later, but, uh, yeah, at this point, four wins would be a disappointment, but I think three and three at this point in the season, we're just looking at the first six games. I think most of us expected them to be two and four, maybe three and three reasonably best case scenario. Okay. Here's why I'm going to sell this one. And I'm going to come off is probably a little snooty with this. Uh, and people may disagree with me, but I'm going to sell because in the three losses that Arizona's had, they've gotten whooped. They got whooped by Mississippi yeah. State. They got whooped by Cal in the second half, and they got whooped by Oregon. True. The three wins I'm happy about. Don't get me wrong. I mean, beating North Dakota State, uh, San Diego State is terrible. You were right about that from week one. They stink. I yeah. mean, they're really bad. Like I was really bottom, hoping they'd be better, but yeah, they're yeah, not good. They're bottom like 25 teams in the country. You were mm-hmm. right about that. I I wasn't so sure. You're you were right. Uh, North Dakota State is a good win. Uh, they're going to be up there as far as the FCS champions. And then Colorado is probably one of the 10 worst teams in the country. So who is Arizona really beaten at this point? And the three teams that they have played that have been, you know, halfway decent, probably three bowl teams, they've gotten smashed. Yeah. So, no, fair. I'm not real. I, the wins are great. Uh, the North Dakota State game was was kind of a pair. I guess San Diego State at the time, we didn't know how bad they'd be, was a pinnacle. But, no, I'm not. I'm not really thrilled just because I wanted to, to see the competitive games. And spoiler alert, I would be a little surprised if we see a competitive game on Saturday. I'll say that. And yeah. we'll make our picks at the end of the program. Uh, based on what you've seen from Arizona, though, if they don't win the game, they're going to get their ass kicked. Uh, that concerns me. Uh, okay, number four. Washington is the second most prolific passing team in the country thus far this season, I believe behind Texas Tech. Is this actually... This is actually good news, Shane, for the Arizona defense, who is so bad against the run. 
Uh, I'll, I guess I'll kind of sort of passively buy it. Although, you know, I don't think it's going to matter too much if Arizona can't get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, their sack rate, Washington's sack rate allowed is even lower uh, than Arizona's, like I said. And Arizona's uh, sack rate, uh, sacks per game, lower than it was last season um, and under Don Brown. So, uh, yeah, Arizona's secondary is better than the guys up front. Uh, but if, if, if Michael Penix has all day to throw, I don't think it's going to matter. And he can run the ball too. And Washington does have two of the top 15 rushers in the Pac-12, even though it's not the focal point of their game. So they can run the football. They can set the tone that way. So, uh, yeah, but it, it's like more likely to be a, uh, you know, pass it, pass first game. Washington and Arizona are number one and two in the conference respectively in passing yards, but yeah, they're both top five in the nation. I believe. Yeah, top seven, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Probably something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's, if is it good news, I guess it's better than Oregon, um, you know, having one of the best rushing offenses in, in, in college football. Yes. This is good news. I'm buying it. Uh, yeah. I mean, we don't have to, Washington is middle of the pack as far as being a rushing team. I, I'm sure Penix will get his 300 yards and whatnot, but Arizona's, as you said, their pass defense has been significantly better than their rush defense, even against Mississippi state. Um, they, they hung in there against a pretty prolific passing unit. Um, I, again, teams that can run the ball successfully. I mean, Arizona's going to get smoked right now. They just, they, they just cannot do anything. So yeah, I think this is good news, Shane. I I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe the game will be closer than my initial instincts think. Maybe Matt will sway those as we talk later in the show. Yeah. Well, to your point, Eric, when, when you have to constantly sell out against the run and, you know, bring seven guys then it puts a lot of pressure on the secondary. And if Arizona doesn't have to do that against Washington, at least not as frequently, that, then maybe it's good news. But I, I kind of have a feeling Washington might try to set the tone early by running the ball because they, they look well, at- Well, why, why wouldn't they? Right, they look at film and like, well, that's what we should do. Yeah. And if they can do that, they open that up, then the, the, you know, the defense keeps creeping forward a little more, a little more, and then that just opens up the passing game. So, uh, But if, if they can stop the run early and force Washington to, to be, be you know, just pass the ball- they have a shot, but we'll get into that more later. I know, but I, I, is it good news? I guess I'm, I'm not elated about it by any means. Michael Penix has 16 passing touchdowns on the season. He had none last week. Washington ran all five of their touchdowns in, including one from Penix himself. Um, maybe they were just preparing their game plan for what they're going to do this week, but I still think it's good news that Arizona finally faces a non rushing team. Let's hope this doesn't, uh, you know, bite me in the, you know what? All right. And, Pen and Penix has, has thrown six interceptions, Eric. So there yeah. is hope there as well. There, there is hope. Yeah. All right. Bonus question, Shane. Uh, offense is the key to Arizona winning this game on Saturday by yourself. That, and I mean by that, they basically just have to outscore Washington. Forget what the defense says. They have to score the majority of time they have the ball. Uh, forget what happens on defense. It's all about offense this Saturday by yourself. Probably, unless Washington shoots himself in the foot, uh, then yeah, I think if Arizona's going to win, it's probably going to be a 49-48 kind of game. I think they have to play mistake-free football. They, they can't have the kind of mistakes like they did early against Oregon. Um, they have to catch it in the red zone. That's one thing, Eric, and I actually looked this up uh, earlier. Arizona's obviously been better in the red zone than they were the last couple of years, but they're not still not that great. They, they're second to last in the Pac-12 in red zone touchdown percentage at 57%, and they're second to last in scoring in the red zone overall at 77%. So you know, they're great at, at, at making long drives, but they've got to finish a little more often. You know, they can't settle for field goals against Washington. They obviously can't turn the ball over like they did against Oregon. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's more likely that they win a 49-48 kind of game than like a 21-17 kind of game. 
I will I will promote this now in my sports line column this week with college football picks. I am on the under 73 in this game if that shows you the direction that I am leaning. Really? Yes. Okay. I I feel pretty good about that that this game everybody thinks that Arizona uh it's going to be a high scoring game. I I'm going to take that under. I know last week Oregon, you know, took their took their foot off the pedal in the fourth quarter. It was only 71 total points scored. They could, they could have scored 60. Oregon could have. Probably, yeah. But you know, teams don't necessarily want to do that because you know the next year, then you get it put on you. No, I'm just saying. Of- I'm just saying it could have been worse if they wanted it to be. Right. Uh, I. But as far as this question goes, yeah, I'm going to buy it. I think if, as you said, Shane, if Arizona's going to win this game, they have to score in the 40s. Simple as that. Any anything under that, I I'd be surprised if that gave away my pick that I've already teased three times. Well, then you can just skip forward to the last part of the show. But hope you'll stay with us because the professor, Matt Marino, is joining us next. Get your notebooks and pens ready here on Wildcat Country. Scooby, we sent you an ice shaker. Um, They are a sponsor, uh, courtesy of our buddy Chris Gronkowski. Uh, You have it right there. I love my ice shaker. Fun fact, when I I trained with Glenn Gronkowski, everybody, when we were trained together, people thought I was... I was the other Gronk brother, so it's kind of funny. But yes, I love my ice shaker. It is very good. I use it every day. I am a, I am a veteran to the ice shaker game, by the way. What's up, Wildcat Country? Chris Krakowski here. Use coupon code WildcatCountry at iShaker.com. All right, Shane, as I always like to say, class is now in session. The professor, as I have nicknamed him, probably the only one that calls him that, but hey, I want it to stick. Uh, Matt Moreno, who is he covers Pac-12 recruiting for rivals, and he is the senior editor for GoAZCats.com, and also he is the most popular and frequent guest on uh, Wildcat Country. So Matt, always glad to have you back. Um, I guess the first question, Shane and I were talking about this in the first segment, Johnny Nansen, is it too soon to talk about the hot seat and part two of that question is, what do you see Arizona doing in the offseason to fix this debacle? Uh, six games in, yes. I don't I don't know uh, why anybody would jump to get him on the hot seat just yet, considering he hasn't really recruited a ton of the players that are playing in his defense. I mean, a lot of the ones who are playing were recruited by him. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think you jump to any conclusions right now and say he needs to go or that he should be on the verge of, of being on the way out. I think you just have to give it time. And unfortunately fans don't like to give coaches time. Don't like to give programs time to build and develop. Um, It's interesting to see Arizona fans already angry considering they won one game last year. And it's like you're one, three already. And expectations uh, change every week. Don't they? There's there's still a, you know, a half season to go. I mean um, it's, it's progress and that's what you want to see. And that's what I think Jed fish is trying to hammer home. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's not great, uh, you know, what the defense has done, obviously. Um, but to say that John Nansen needs to be on the hot seat, I think it's interesting to kind of see how it's all played out. And I think we're starting to learn a lot more about the deficiencies within this team and this defense. I think those are becoming a lot more clear. Um, but it gives the coaching staff something to attack in the offseason and gives them, you know, clear picture of what they need to work on and what they need to improve on the roster to, um, you know, make this thing go in the right direction even more. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Matt. You just to finish the point. Yeah, no, no. What we've seen is kind of what we expected, and I think what we talked about before the season in terms of where the potential holes could be, which was the linebacker group. If there was one group defensively that you're like, I don't know what's going to happen there. There's a little bit more up in the air than any of the other positions. It would be the linebacker group. I mean, there was obviously a returning starter in Jerry Roberts, but you really didn't know what else they had 
you know, with that group, some new pieces coming in. So it's not a shock to see that the linebackers have kind of been the issue so far this season. Uh, obviously, that is Johnny Nansen's position. He should be able to, uh, or he does have kind of the firsthand knowledge of that group, and and that's his responsibility. Uh, responsibility. Um, but it'll be interesting to see kind of where they go from here. But I do think the answers are both high school recruiting um, with one primary big target out there um, that could very much help in a hurry and then hitting the portal. I mean, I think Arizona has shown as they're, you know, as we've seen through the first six games, they've had success. I mean, maybe UCLA has a gripe there in terms of the PAC 12, in terms of the most influence from the transfer players in a positive light. Uh, USC has obviously had a ton of uh, success in the transfer portal Oregon as well, but Arizona's right there in terms of the success they've had with bringing players in. You have DJ Warnell now stepping into a starting role, another transfer from UCLA. So it's only growing. It's only getting better. They're ability to add the transfers and have those guys have an immediate impact, which is what you want. You don't want wasted spots on your roster, especially if you're going to the transfer portal. You just can't have wasted roster spots with those guys. You need all of them to hit. And so far, Arizona's done a pretty good job of that. Yeah, Matt. Uh, first of all, um, your your backdrop just just kicks mine my, my backdrop's butt between your, your scoreboard back <laughs> you. there and the, your sure. uh, parent your uh, ownership in the Green Bay Packers as well. That's yeah. got to support that. Got to uh, make sure that's known. Yeah, well, that's true. Eric's a fellow Packers fan, so you guys are in good. We company. love it. All right. Moving on from that, uh, uh, like I said, appreciate your time as always. Uh, talk about some of the big targets that that you mentioned, one in particular that Arizona is looking at on defense. Tell us about them. Yeah. I mean, Leviticus Sua is kind of very much at the top of the list, if not the top priority, one of the top priorities. And I just spoke to him a couple of weeks ago about that. He just recently uh, took a visit out to Arizona to go see the game uh, against Mississippi State, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, a chance to kind of see Arizona go up against an SEC opponent. Arizona's kind of been in there and Johnny Nansen to bring it back to him has been a big reason that Arizona has been able to kind of tap into some of these, you know, major high school programs in Southern California, like modern day where Leviticus Sua attends like St. John Bosco. They just had a really big game this last week and Leviticus Sua played a part in helping modern day earn a win over St. John Bosco, the two top teams in the country. So um, he's someone that he's Arizona's continued to kind of push with him. Uh, He's been out, I think on three trips now, a four-star linebacker, middle linebacker, a starter at what is, it'll get me in trouble, but arguably the top team in the country, top high school team in the country at modern day. I mean, to have a multi-year starting middle linebacker at the top team, top high school team in the country, that speaks a lot. And, and you know, I think that matters for Arizona. And um, I think it would matter for him in terms of making the transition to college. And so um, he would be a notable pickup. And Arizona's right in there with Stanford right now. Um, if I had to guess today, I would say that if he, if he was pushed to make a decision right now and we said, Hey, Leviticus, where are you going? I think it would be Arizona. I think Arizona would be the call. I think he's going to leave the door open, uh, to see what else happens the rest of the way until December. I think he's been pretty open about that, that he's willing to listen to whatever other programs come through, but Arizona has by far been the most consistent along with Stanford. They've made it clear to him that he's a top priority. He said, when I talked to him a couple weeks ago, that really mattered to his family that, you know, that, that he's a top priority for them, that they're, that they're going to take care of him. And, um, you know, obviously one of the things that has continued to come up with a lot of recruits in this class um, is the Polynesian connections. And with Leviticus, that, that matters a lot. And uh, he really appreciates that. He really appreciates that he could step into a place like Arizona and feel comfortable, feel like he knows players that have his a similar background and understand, you know, what his family life was like. And I think that really is important to, a lot of recruits that Arizona has added since Jed Fish has stepped on board and uh, to Leviticus, it definitely is, is an important factor 
and why he likes Arizona, why he's you know considering Arizona. Matt, I think a lot of us were surprised, maybe even shocked by how good Arizona's recruiting class was uh, for, for 2022, uh, being a top 20, 30 nationally, depending on what, what metric you use. Is that sustainable in your opinion, especially adding a recruiter like Johnny Nansen? Can Arizona, do you think, continue to recruit top 30 nationally? I know the transfer portal sort of plays in that, in that as well, but can Arizona continue to have that much success year in and year out, in your opinion? Probably not. I mean, I think I think that's an anomaly. When you think about the last class, it was it tied for the highest rated class Arizona's ever had in the rivals era, which goes back to 2002. So it's not like it's happened a ton. So uh, it was pretty rare. I mean, I think it's it's very rare that Arizona is going to get a five star, even when it's recruiting at its best. Um, It's just not that type of program right now. You know, maybe 10 years down the line, if Jed Fish is, you know, still the head coach and they've continued to you know, stack seasons and, and get some wins and have this thing going in the direction he believes it'll go in. Maybe that conversation is different, but right now, based on what Arizona has been and what it is right now, I think it's going to be difficult for them to land, you know, five-star recruits every year. And, and that's what changes it. That's what, you know, bolstered that class and put it over the top and made it, you know, ranked as high as it was because they were able to get TMAC. Um, it was a very specific kind of way that things had to fall into place to get T-Mac. It was almost that it had to be that specific yeah. for Arizona to get a five-star. Um, that's not going to happen a lot where you have, you know, all these things line up and, and really, you know, if Meyer Cristobal doesn't leave Oregon, it probably doesn't happen for Arizona. So you'll never know that um, T-Mac will probably never let anybody know until after his playing days are over that he was, you know, whether or not he would have continued to stay with Oregon if the coaching staff didn't change or whether at the 11th hour, maybe he doesn't even know at the 11th hour, Things are going to change. I still feel that Arizona would have had a great shot, even with no coaching change at Oregon to land him because of how close he is to Noah Fafita and the rest of his friends from Servite. But that's a story for another day, I guess. But yeah, it's it's kind of a rarity that that's going to happen. You have to have those things all line up for Arizona, I think, to get a five-star. But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to see them pulling in you know, several four-stars every year. Um, that's probably going to change just with the transfer portal. Maybe, you know, six or seven years ago, you could say that, oh, if they're very capable of landing, you know, 10 four stars is what you want every class. Yes, a lot of schools want that still, but a lot of schools are saying, let's just go get those proven players. And at a place like Arizona, I think they're going to rely on, hey, we'll get those four stars, but get them, you know, after they spend a year or two in college, that way, you know exactly what you're getting. And so I think Arizona is going to have a mix of high school and transfer players. I imagine this class is pretty full. I would imagine... It probably maybe adds four or five more players in this class, which gets you to around 23, 24, but um, probably around that 23 number in terms of high school recruits. And then the rest, you just fill in with transfers. It doesn't, uh, it's getting to the end in terms of the high school portion of this recruiting class for Arizona. There's only going to be a few, you know, pieces here and there. Uh, Leviticus Sue is a, is a primary target. Caleb Lomo out at Highland high school, um, another, an offensive lineman. Uh, I think that's where you're going to see Arizona really lean and is trying to get some more offensive linemen in this class. Um, a, a linebacker or two. There's a couple skill position guys. Uh, Jerry McClure is a, a versatile receiver out in San Diego who Arizona has continued to keep up with. He's continued to say positive things about Arizona, a uh, four-star receiver um, who they could add. But uh, it's it's getting to the end of the class and, and then it'll be about, you know, filling in with whoever. You're going to have roster movement. We've already seen that, you know, within the last week or so, players leaving the program, things like that. You're going to have player movement this offseason. It doesn't matter how good your team is. There's going to be players who say, I want to play somewhere else. I feel like I have a better opportunity somewhere else, um, no matter what team you are. And so I think once that all shakes out, I think you'll see Arizona again, be uh, you know aggressive in the transfer portal. All right. So 
interesting point you just brought up right there, Matt, which was you're going to see players want to play somewhere else. So I think about Arizona's quarterback situation. Now, Jordan McLeod recently left the program. Shane and I didn't mention that in the first segment, but he's gone. No surprise. He wasn't going to play. So it's Delora and Fafita. Now, I was mistaken considering Delora's already played two seasons of college football, thought he was a junior, but actually he is a sophomore because of that uh, COVID year. So if I were to ask you right now who is starting on opening day in 2024 for Arizona at quarterback, who would you say? No, Fafita. I mean, I think he's shown. So what happens to Jaden at that point? If he continues to put up the numbers he's putting up, there's going to be that pool of so all, all a lot of these guys have to hear is one team is interested in you where I could see him, you know, being the guy that says, you know what? I put up these crazy numbers. I've put in my three years that I have to put in at the college level. Let me test it and see if I can go to the next level and, and see if you know an NFL team will give me, give me a chance. And um, I could see that playing out that way because he's going to, I mean, we've seen how it's already progressed in a short amount of time where it looked like he was having struggles and then he hit, you know, record high after record high. Um, in terms of his yards and touchdowns, all those things. Uh, Jed Fish has found the right quarterback for his system, and you're seeing it kind of play out that way where Arizona's offense has really come on strong. Now that, you know, Jane Delore has really figured it out, settled in, I think understands the concepts a little bit more, understands, you know, where he can push things. I think he's still figuring that out uh, a little bit, but I think he's going to put up some big numbers, and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But I could see him being, hey, I put up these big numbers. I've accomplished what I need to accomplish you know, and seeing if there's an NFL team that, you know, takes a chance on him. And I, I could very well, could very well see that with him. Matt, my last question for you. I don't think we really talked about Braden Dorman uh, coming out in next year, uh, really a highly touted quarterback that Arizona is bringing in, um, chose Arizona over Mississippi state, Wisconsin, a couple other strong options. Do you think that once Jaden Delore is gone, assuming Noah feet is still there, that he could challenge for that starting job as, as soon as there, there's that opening? Yeah, I think so. I think he's going to need a little bit more seasoning. Um, I think, I think he understands that it, he's going to step into a situation where he can take a little bit of time because I think there is going to be a lot of confidence that Noah Fafita can take over and do just fine. I mean, there's already been people who I'm sure are clamoring for him to get in there and do some different things and uh, see what he can do. He's stepped up quite a bit when he's had those opportunities to to perform. And again, as we talked about, I think on this show quite a bit, and as I mentioned on a lot of different places you take the height factor out of it. He's kind of everything you're looking for in a college quarterback. And so um, I think he's going to obviously be kind of a leader in the clubhouse. Once it's his opportunity, once it's clear that he has that path to the starting job, but uh, Braden Dorman, I just mentioned, you know, Jane Delora being what Jed fish is looking for. Uh, Braden Dorman is exactly what Jed fish is looking for at the quarterback position in that he is six, four, six, five has the arm has the look. Um, kind of does the things that Jed Fish wants to do and, and wants to have in a pro style system. He wants to have a guy that looks like an NFL quarterback. And that's a big reason that Braden Dorman picked Arizona. Um, he had opportunities to go other places across the country that have maybe had more recent quarterback success um, and getting guys to the next level. But he believes in Jed Fish. And I think that's been very key. And he believes that it's the right system that fits his skill set to get him to the NFL. And so, um, you know, he really does fit exactly what they're looking for that could be a benefit um you know sometimes coaches go they they get enamored by they have this ideal of especially a, a head coach who is also a play caller on either side of the ball they have especially an offensive side of the ball they have this ideal quarterback that that's my guy that's exactly what i'm looking for 
Braden Dorman kind of checks off all the boxes for Jed Fish, and you'll never know until he gets on campus that he could be enamored by that and go, that's that's what I want. That's the guy I've been envisioning. Let's get him in there. So you just don't know until they get on the field. Um, but I do think that I do think there's going to be enough kind of overlap and gray area for Braden Dorman that it's going to he's not going to come in and push, you know, necessarily push no Favita out of a job or Jane Delore, anybody out of a job in year one. I think it's going to take him a little bit of time, get accustomed to things, which is fine. I think that's what Arizona wants. I think they target him for that reason, knowing that, hey, we can have him kind of learn things for a season or two or uh, I think ideally a season and then get him in there and see what he can do. But I feel I think they feel like they have some time to work with him before he has to be, you know, game ready. And that's ideally where every program wants to be. I mean, this is a good problem to have. We're not used to that, especially after the quarterback situation that we saw in 2021, 2020 and 2021. Uh, all right. Uh, two last questions for you from me. Number one, Matt, uh, what is Arizona's final record at the end of the season? I'm still sticking at four and eight, but I, okay. I think I could be convinced to five and seven. I think a lot depends on what happens this week. I think if you win this week, I think the trajectory of the season changes a lot because this schedule is difficult. Um, you don't have easy games coming up. Yes, I do think they can pick off one of these teams that are undefeated and ranked and all that. But I think we I think we all kind of saw the reality of what Arizona football is last week against Oregon. Mm -hmm. Um it's just not there yet. And I think Jed Fish, I mean, he wasn't angry about it. I think he was kind of saying it plainly after the game when he was talking, just like, there's just steps. This is the time you're going to, you're going to take some lumps. And I think for Arizona, I think last week was, they're just not there yet. Yes. There's a lot of progress. Um, but I, I was kind of sticking around four wins before the season. Yeah. It's still there now. Um, I think you get, if you win this week, I think you get to five and seven. Um, I could be wrong. And I could, I, I'm kind of already checking off the last game of the season as a win. Um, I really don't need to see more from either team, um, really? but hmm. I, I think it's a win for Arizona at the end of the season. So it's just, can you pick up one more or a couple more between now and then? So, um, or one more between now and then. So I think this week depends on a lot. I think if they lose this game, I, I just, I just think they're in some difficult matchups in the coming weeks and, and it's going to be very, very tough to, to win some games. So I think this a lot will depend on if they go five and seven, if they can win this week, I think six and six is just, a little bit too far out of reach uh, at this point. It's just it just seems too daunting of a task. Agreed. If Arizona wins this weekend, they're going six and six. I'm gonna I'm going on on record <laughs> saying that right now. I don't think they're gonna. Well, I don't want to give away my pick. But yeah, I pretty much have. All <laughs> I right, think you have well, Eric. Yes, last question here. This is totally off the beaten path. I ranted about this at the start of the show. The DJ at Arizona Stadium, <laughs> keep or go. Uh, keep I, I think keep because you want to have students there. And I think you have to have Come somewhat on. of a party atmosphere. Uh, I know for the general fans, it's, it's probably a go to yesterday. You should yes. have been gone, you know, to start of the season, but I, I understand why I get it. Um, I, I think you have to keep them though, just to, to get the fans riled up, get the kids riled up. I think you need to, you can get the kids riled up with anything, put scoreboard messages, giveaways, do something, get rid of the DJ. I'm sure he's a nice guy. It's time. Bye-bye. The uh, class is dismissed. The professor Matt Moreno. Thank you as always for joining Shane and I. Absolutely. Anytime guys. Great info from the professor, Matt Moreno. All right, Shane, it's time for our pick segment. I 
don't even want to go over record. I mean, for me, I went five, four, and one last week. You went three, six, and one. I now have a seven-game lead. I'm actually 36-28-3. I'm actually doing pretty good. I'm going to start flipping a coin. Not this week. I'll tell you what. If I have one more losing week, I'm going to start flipping a coin. I'm, I'm serious. If I flipped a coin to this point, I'd have a better record. You you might, but you know, you're know you due for, for a late-season rally. We're only halfway through. I am upset, though, that Stanford, which was my money line special last week, oh. blew a big lead and mm. absolutely gagged that one away against Oregon State. They covered the seven, so I got the win for that. Yeah. But that was an, an absolute well, We're both upset about that because I picked Oregon State to cover, and that their touchdown didn't do a damn thing for me. Well, no, but that was I, – I, I wanted to sound even smarter uh, by giving uh, the – you know, the well, whole having, thing. You're about having a pretty good up. season, though. Just yeah. in terms of our picks, you're doing well, and you're the yeah, one. With, we, you're the one with the with the betting column. So between, I, between the two of us, it should be you. Yeah, go to sportsline.com. Check that out, and I even have a plug for Shane and I's podcast in there, which is kind of cool. Uh, all right, Shane, we've got I think uh, eleven games on the docket. Let's go quickly. Michigan is a seven point favorite at home over Penn State in the first battle of top ten teams that we will discuss this week. Uh, I'm going to take Penn State plus the points. I think this game is going to be close. How about you? I just don't buy Michigan. You know, they, they've been struggling a little too much. They haven't really played anyone yet. I, I'm gonna. I'm not sure if I'm brave enough to take Penn State to win outright, but I'm gonna take Penn State with the points. Uh, Cal, uh, Cal, a team that Arizona got uh, whooped by, is a 15 point favorite over Colorado, a team that Arizona whooped. Game is in Boulder. I know you don't think much of Cal, Shane, but Colorado stinks. I'm taking Cal. I, I just think Colorado is that bad. How about you? Uh, gosh, without, without their head coach now, maybe they rally a little bit. Um, I'm trying to no, find a reason not doing it. I'm trying to find a reason about it. Now nah, I'm going to go Cal. I'm going to go Cal. I, I just think Colorado is that bad. I don't care who's yeah. coaching him. I mean, maybe it'll help. Maybe you'll get that. You know, we've seen the first, the new coach bounce. Look at Iguano and at ASU. I just think Colorado is that, this bad of a team. I always I think, think back to Tim. Well. I think back to Tim Kish in, in 2011, but I know that that's the exception to the rule. Cause they, they whooped UCLA after Mike Stoops got fired. Um, uh, but that is not that's true. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Um, all right. Uh, no, another, you know, top 10 matchup, probably the game of the week. Alabama is a seven and a half point favorite at Tennessee. All the public money is on Tennessee, Shane. Uh, are you taking them with the points? Or are you going with the Crimson Tide? Is Bryce Young playing or no? I, I, I At this point, I'm under the assumption that he's going to play. Yes. If he plays, I'll take Alabama with the points. Okay. Yeah. I, I think this is a game that I wanted to take Tennessee outright, but the fact that everybody in in gambling lore is on Tennessee and the spread is moving in the other direction is a tell Alabama wins this game by double digits. Unfortunately though, I'd love to see the upset. Yeah. Uh, a, a big one here. Now this is where the spread, the first spread that kind of looks weird to me, TCU who's undefeated playing Oklahoma state, another matchup of top 10 teams or those teams that are close. So TCU is close to the top 10 uh, is TCU is minus four against Oklahoma state at home. Sonny Dykes undefeated, uh, at TCU. Who you got Shane? The thing is, I don't think Kansas was that good. And TCU really struggled to beat Kansas. And they had a couple of late calls that went in their favor that really sealed that game. So, uh, I think Oklahoma state is, is that good. I think their TCU is worthy of being ranked, but I think OK state wins and covers. I'm going to say TCU wins by a touchdown. I'm really impressed with them. Uh, I really? know they were one of our pushes last week. They were the, the push with Kansas, the seven-point spread. They won by seven. Yeah. I like TCU a lot. Oklahoma State, I'm not sold on their defense. I think TCU stays undefeated for another week, and I will lay that four, those four points. This is one that I just changed, Shane, as I'm looking at it. Uh, uh, both ranked teams here, NC State at Syracuse. Don't know about NC State's quarterback, Devin Leary. 
Uh, Orange, the Orange men are giving three and a half points at home. I'm going to take NC State. Not saying they're going to win the game. I was high on them before the season. Lost to Clemson. That was kind of a bummer. But I'm going to take them uh, to cover the three and a half. How about you? Yeah, I'll take NC State to cover. You sold me on them. I wasn't sure they were going to be as good as you thought, but I'll take NC State. Defensively, they're pretty legit. Offensively, they they have their moments. All right. Uh, Big game here. This is another weird line. Clemson's only giving three and a half on the road at Florida State. I I don't think that, that Florida State is that good. I'm taking Clemson to win by at least a touchdown. How about you? Yeah, I, I have I struggle to take so many road, road teams, but yeah, that, that line's a little weird too. But maybe it's one of those things that Vegas knows something we don't. But yeah, Florida State isn't that good. I'm taking Clemson in the points. Yeah, and I was not a big Clemson guy going into the year, but I'll tell you, they have uh they have exceeded expectations as far as I'm yeah. concerned. And their schedule after this game looks pretty good. I think they may be in the uh, final four after all, uh, like usual. Mississippi State, a team that we saw, Shane, is a six and a half point favorite at Kentucky. Both of these teams are ranked as well. I think Kentucky may not win this, but I think it's a three-point game either way. So I'm taking Kentucky with the points. How about you? I'll agree with you. I, I think Kentucky bounces back a, a bit. I, I think Mississippi, Mississippi State should be undefeated. That loss to LSU is yeah. really inexcusable, but I, I'm going to go with Kentucky. Weird line here. Uh, Notre Dame, which hasn't shown much offensively until the last few weeks, is a 17-point favorite against Stanford. Now, I know Stanford's bad. Uh, but I think the Cardinal kind of turned a corner a little bit. They can score. I think there's too many points. I'll, I'll take Stanford with the points. You? I can't pick Notre Dame correctly, and they surprised me against BYU. But, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take Stanford. I mean, Stanford surprised me that they really they should have beaten Oregon State. Uh, I thought that Stanford's one of the worst teams in the conference, and they probably still are. But I'll, I'll take Stanford to cover. I have a feeling we're going to disagree on these next two games. Okay. Utah is a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home against USC ranked teams. Now Utah coming off that shocking 10 point loss to the Rose bowl, where we thought they would stomp an undefeated UCLA team. Mm-hmm. Shane, I'll let you start with this one. Who you got? Utah to bounce back. They'll be at home. They'll be angry. I, I mm-hmm. think USC has been not really tested enough for me to take them against a, a ranked team on the road. So I'll go Utah. I love Utah as well. I, I thought you would go USC. Mm-hmm. I, I love Utah here. I just think this is a spot where U- USC's had a great year, but I think this is the time where they take a step back. I don't think they're as good as we thought, and they almost lost in Corvallis uh, the other week. They only won by three. I think here they go down by at least a touchdown. Speaking of Corvallis, uh, Oregon State, possibly with a backup quarterback, with that momentum coming off that big Stanford comeback win, is a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Washington State. The Cougars have won eight in a row in this series. Shane, who you got? I'll go Washington State. I, I've been on, on Oregon State for, for most of the season, but they just haven't looked as good as I thought they were going to the last couple of weeks. You mentioned the quarterback situation, so I'm going to go with the Cougars. You know, that Washington State winning eight in a row is tough, but Oregon State has been so good at home since the end of 2020. I'm taking Oregon State to win. It's This one's going to be close. I mean, it may be real close to the number, but I think Oregon State finds a way. I could see this being a 24-20, 27-23 type of game, but I'm going to take Oregon State – somewhat confidently just because I think that home field advantage at night means something. And finally, Shane, it's time for the big one. Now this spread I've seen everywhere from 14 to 15 and a half, but for the sake of ties, I'm going to say Washington is a 14 and a half point favorite against Arizona. I I will make the pick first since I had been picking the first few and I let you pick last, last week. I'm gonna let you pick last again. I just, I've teased this so many times throughout the show I just can't see Arizona scoring enough to to stay in it. They can. I just, on the road, when they lose, as we discussed, Arizona gets blown out. 
So I will say Washington 44, Arizona 24, and I really hope I'm wrong. How about you? We're in a pretty similar spot, Eric. Just some keys of Arizona is going to win, like like Max Brown predicted last week, or that there was like their best chance of a possibility, win. right? Possibility yeah. over the next several weeks, which which maybe uh, got to stop the run. You know, Washington I know is pass heavy, but they do have some good running backs. They have to uh, not put themselves in a situation where Washington uses the run to set up the pass or their toast. Uh, they have to score a touchdown every single red zone possession. There's no margin for error there. And they have to do well against Washington on third downs. Washington is, is 52% on third down conversions this year, uh, third best in the conference. Arizona's not far behind. They're 47%. They went 10 to 17 against Oregon, but they have to hold Washington under 50%, probably closer to 40% on third downs. Got to score every time they're in the red zone. Uh, no turnovers. They, they have to stop the run. There's so many things that have to go right. And it's on the road on top of that. One of the loudest stadiums in the country. So I'm, I'm about with you. I have Washington 45, Arizona 27. All right. Uh, there you have it. We're both going against Arizona. Maybe that's good luck because you and I are not picking wildcat games that great. We're only three and three, both straight up. Uh, I'm three and three against spread. You're two and four against the spread. Yeah. Uh, thanks to the professor, Matt Moreno for joining us. Always great to talk to him. And finally, Shane, I want to wish you a happy birthday. I know this is your birthday week, Appreciate turning 22, it. I believe. 22, 22, is that right? The 20th anniversary of my 22nd birthday. Is that right? Okay, That's well, right. Uh, you, you certainly don't look it, but uh, happy birthday to you. Thank hope you, you have a great birthday weekend. Let's hope the Wildcats play better than you and I expect and, uh, and get a win for uh, your birthday week. So for Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. Thanks, as always, for listening. And as always, bear down. <laughs>